Good morning on this Lord's Day to all who have gathered from near and far to worship with us at the church on the corner of clergy and princess in Kingston, Ontario, St. Andrews. Today we are focusing on Jesus' parable of the talents and asking this question. Am I living a life of passion towards God? Does my life count? And from Psalm 133, our call to worship. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore.
The psalm given to us this morning to read is Psalm 67. Join me as we read this psalm responsively. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we are going to think about and explore what is commonly known as the parable of the talents. When I was a little girl, I remember hearing this parable over and over and thinking it was sort of some kind of church talent show we were talking about. But you will remember that a parable in the New Testament is a story that Jesus told his listeners. Not a true story, but a story about everyday people doing ordinary things, something we can easily relate to. At the end of the story, Jesus packs a punch of meaning to the parable, and we all go, aha! It is an ordinary story with an eternal meaning. Have you ever known someone who hid all their life savings somewhere instead of putting it in a bank or into investments? We've all heard of that person who socked away their life savings underneath a mattress. One year, my sister and I went to visit our elderly aunt and uncle. My uncle had Alzheimer's disease. And while we were there visiting them, my aunt went to look for some photos, family photos, in my uncle's sock drawer. Instead of the photos, she found several hundred dollars hiding among the socks. My uncle, of course, had no idea why the money was there. He had, quite literally, socked it away some time before. My aunt was alarmed, but gleeful. That night, she took all of us out for dinner to a fancy restaurant. I once knew a man who did not trust any financial institution with his money. So he hid his life savings out in a bush somewhere, and only he knew where it was. I thought that was a rather risky thing to do. We've all heard about the ROI of our investments. That, I have learned, means the return on investment. The hope is that when you invest your money wisely, when you need it, it will have grown in value over time. However, our economy is suffering due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and many people, especially seniors, who rely on dividends from their savings may be coming up short month by month. Though it is a concern for many of us, the best we can do is hope that in time, our investments will recover. The context of this parable is important in understanding its meaning. These are the final weeks of Jesus' ministry. There is an urgency to this story. Time is moving quickly for Jesus, and the religious leaders have rejected the message and the messenger. He knows his days are numbered. Jesus' concern now is for his followers. He is challenging them to get off the fence and 
to make an all-out commitment to God. With that commitment will come great risk as well as great reward. Those who choose to follow Jesus will be making a spiritual investment in the kingdom of God. It is an urgent message for us today as we navigate these troubling times. However, this parable is about more than the investment of our money or how to use our talents and abilities. Jesus is interested in far more than the sum of temporal things. The talents in the parable are not about what we give to God, but they are all about what God gives to us. They are about the amazing resources God makes available to each one of us, God's love and grace, and what we do with those resources, these blessings. In the parable, the landowner is going on a journey and is entrusting his property to his employees in the form of money. According to biblical scholars, the value of one talent of currency was the average salary for three years, a significant amount of money. The value of five talents, therefore, would be the salary for 15 years. And the value of two talents would be the salary for six years. It is important to note that these were the master's talents, the master's resources, and that they were loaned to these three employees. They did not belong to the employees. They were entrusted to them. They were not rewards for good service either, but they were freely given according to each one's ability. Then the owner went on his journey. He would be back. He didn't say when. While he was away, the story goes that the employee that was given five talents used those talents to double them to ten. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more. Both of these employees knew that the owner had given them these talents to use to benefit their master and that they would be accountable for what they had done with their talents in his absence. But the employee who had been given only one talent, he went and hid it because he didn't want to risk losing that one talent. Well, when the landowner returned from his trip, he came to see his employees to claim his property and to see what they had done with what he had given them. When the first two servants proudly told them of how they had doubled their investments, the master praised and rewarded them for their industriousness. But when the third one said that he had buried his one talent, the master became angry, fired him, and gave his talent to the one who had been given five. What has this parable to say to us today? 
I think it says three things. Firstly, that everyone has ability. In the parable, the talents belonged to the landowner. They were his to give. Likewise, every gift we have belongs to God and are his to give. God has gifted each one of us with resources, blessings, and qualities which are entrusted to us to be developed, grown, invested, and used in the service of God's kingdom. It might be financial wealth, natural skills and qualities, or spiritual gifts. Everyone has ability. Secondly, everyone has a response ability. Each of us has been given potential, a reason for being, a life purpose to fulfill. It is our responsibility to, to discover what our passion is and to live our lives according to that purpose. Everyone has response ability. And finally, everyone has accountability. God has given the ability and the responsibility to us. The rest is up to us. We are accountable for how we use the resources God has given to us so richly. The parable makes it clear that those who invest their gift by being all God calls them to be, God will bless, and they will be entrusted with more. Those who do not, those who prefer to sit on the sidelines and bury their gifts, will miss out on the life which God wants to share with them. We either use our gifts or we lose them. The punishment was swift and harsh in the parable. The landowner took the lazy servant's one talent, gave it to the one who had begun with five, and fired him. Furthermore, he was banished to the darkness where he would cry and gnash his teeth for eternity. There will be a day of reckoning. The landowner represents God. The day of reckoning is when we will each have to give an account of what we have done with the blessings God entrusted us with. God will reward those who have invested their lives in the kingdom. Judgment will come upon those who have not used their blessings in service to others. We may hold back from expressing our gifts for fear they will be rejected for not being good enough. We think so-and-so would do such a better job than I, and we sit back and let others and watch others live out their passion, serving God with joy, being the best they can be. Others may say, well, I don't have any gifts. I can't preach or teach or sing in the choir like others do. We tend to focus on things we can do well. But what about people who love deeply? 
who are gracious and generous with their time and help, those who are people of prayer. The parable teaches us that it matters not whether we have one gift or many. What matters to God is who we are and that we use that ability, that gift, joyfully and freely in God's service that we be the best we can possibly be. This is the root of our service to God, realizing that all our blessings come from God and are meant to be shared with the world around us. The choice is ours alone. What will we do with what we have been given? Do you have the gift of love? then love with passion and abandon those whom God has placed in your path, those who are in relationship with you and those who need someone to love them. As Mother Teresa once said, there are no great deeds, only small deeds done with great love. Our small acts of love and kindness are a large investment in God's economy. Do you have a vibrant prayer life? Then pray for those who so need to know God or to receive God's healing touch. Is your gift one of material wealth? Then give extravagantly and joyfully toward the work of the church and the needs of those less fortunate. Have you been given a strong faith? Then share that faith openly with those who have no hope. Do you have skills and abilities in a certain practical area? Well, offer your time and your skill when the need arises. Only do not be complacent, hiding your gift from everyone, including God because you will miss out on the most fulfilling and exciting life you could ever imagine, a life full of purpose and passion for God. This is what counts. This is what lasts. This is what God desires for each of us, to live lives of meaning and purpose, to use our gifts in the service of the Master, who is Jesus. God in Christ invested his life for us. It is our responsibility, our joy, to live a life of extravagant faith in order to share with others the greatest gift we have received. As you discover your gifts, develop and nurture them and use them in order to bless others. And the words of the master to you will be, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in imagining, in managing small amounts. I will put you in charge of large amounts. Come on in and share my happiness. This is how to make your life count for God. And the wonderful thing about sharing your gifts is that you can't possibly outgive God. Stop hiding the riches of Christ under your mattress.
because the more you give, the more will be given to you, and you will find an abundance of blessing in your life. That is the promise of the Master in the parable. May it be so in my life. May it be so in yours. Amen. Join with me in prayer. Let us pray. God, we come into your presence this day with praise and thanksgiving. We are in awe before you, God, of all the blessings you have so freely given each of us. Help us not to squander them, to hide them, to bury them. Help us to find our gifts and use them to bless your church and the world. Make us instruments of your peace in a world which so needs that peace. We pray for the poor, the hungry and neglected, that you would hear their cries for daily bread, water, and hope. Inspire us to works of compassion and generous giving. We pray for the suffering still rampant in Lebanon, for all that have been left homeless, for the grief of that nation, for an end to unjust government. May our givings to Presbyterian World Service and Development be used on the ground there as our non-governmental partners seek to meet the increasing needs in that country. We pray for an end 
to pandemic disease all over the world, particularly in homes for the vulnerable and the aged, and those men, women, and children who have underlying health conditions. As schools all over Canada prepare to open, we pray that our federal and provincial governments would be careful and wise, generous with resources. O oh Lord, protect our children, our grandchildren, teachers, and all staff in our schools. Hear the cries of your people who are ill or in grief. In this moment of silence, hear the cries of our own hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear us as we pray in the words you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of hope go before you, filling your life with love, joy, and peace. May God be with you this day, this week, and bless you. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord extravagantly.